Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And today, uh, well, a while ago, actually, I had the opportunity to speak to Angie Check. Uh, and first, I wanted to say, Angie, sorry I didn't get this podcast out earlier. I uh, just found it uh, in, in the archives, if you will. Um, but I thought, uh, I, I saw that it was there a couple weeks ago and recently interviewed her husband, Paul, and I thought that these would be fun to uh, release one after the other. So this week, I'll uh, we get to hear Angie. Next week is going to be Paul. And this is an awesome conversation because I think Angie just did a great job showing how people can still be healthy as a parent. And she just still expresses like some of the difficulties with it. She doesn't pretend to be uh, the world's greatest healthy parent or anything like that, but she's really doing best she can. And I think there's a lot of really good takeaways uh, and just things that people can implement from the show. So please enjoy this conversation with Angie Check. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Angie Check. Now, Angie's been on the show before, and I was going to say, Angie, what's what's been maybe going on uh, over the last, I think, two or three years since we last uh, chatted? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's good to be back on your show. Uh, yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is just child raising. You know, I, my son's now two years and uh, five months. I think we last talked when he was just a few months old. And no, actually, he was he was still in. Yeah, I think when we talked last. Oh my gosh! So was it that long ago? I yeah. thought I had. You're right. I think I was pregnant. So, right. I think so it'll now be three years this fall probably that we chatted. So yeah, I'm sure right. a lot has changed in your life. <laughs> a lot has changed. Everything, in fact. <laughs> well, okay. So let's even just dive right into that because that's one of the things I was really interested to talk to you about because somebody that has been at such a high level of just the health, wellness, fitness field uh, for most of your life. And now, how has that changed and what have you done to really do that? Uh, I mean, as a health practitioner, but also as a mother and combining all of that. Well, you know, when I first, you know, I, I don't know, my, I can't remember exactly what we talked about back then. I think I was just reading books and getting myself educated at the time and trying to, you know, armor myself with as much knowledge as possible. But when the baby comes out, it's just like, uh, you know, my world changed 180 degrees. It was like, oh my gosh, I had all these ideas that, oh, when the baby sleeps, I'll be writing a book. And when the baby sleeps, I'm going to do all these projects. And, <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. You know, and I, I, you know, I had mothers laugh at me when I'd say stuff like that. I'm like, what? And I was just very naive about how much work it takes to raise a child. In fact, like they say, it takes a village. It really does take a lot of support. And so... Um, learning the ropes about you know child ra raising and the funny thing about kids is as you know because you have one is that as soon as you figure them out they change you know <laughs> okay they'll eat this food no they don't eat that food anymore oh they like to do this exercise or this activity nope not anymore you know and so it's like oh my gosh or oh they take a nap at this time nope not anymore you know so constantly I think the biggest you know thing I had to learn is really flexibility and you know I'm, I was a pretty flexible person but now it's like learning patience and flexibility is the number one thing to survive as a mother you know just you know my life as I used to know it is just so so very different where I have to I think I said last maybe not I remember saying to my friends when the baby was born I used to try to do three or four things for myself when the baby was born on a daily basis and that just stressed me out. I was just like, I couldn't do that many things for myself because the baby took up so much time. And consequently, I started feeling like I was mad at the baby, which I wasn't. But I was like, it's not his fault. It's like, I'm just trying to do too many things that I used to be. I'm trying to be this single entrepreneur as well as a mother now. And I realized I got to cut back on all that stuff. So I had this list of just one thing for me every day. And that was that was doable, you know. So I felt accomplished by the end of the day. I'm like, okay, this one thing, maybe just go to the bank or write some checks or whatever it was one thing and that made life a lot easier when I started taking off the role of doing so many things and diving into the, the mother job but uh, one of the biggest struggles I think in the last two years was uh, learning how to manage exercise as a component with the child and you know that you know I, I used to think back now and I was just thinking this this morning it's like 
I had no empathy for, for mothers back in the day when I first started training. He's like, when I was a personal trainer, I'd have mothers show up like five minutes late. I'm like, why are you late? You know, and I just didn't get it. You know, I was, you know, I just didn't have a child. So I couldn't understand why they couldn't make appointments in time and why they couldn't just get up a little earlier and make it to their appointment. And now I realize, you know, you can be the best mother and fully planned and you'll get them in the, in the car and all of a sudden it's like, oh, mommy potty, you know, and they <laughs> okay, I get him out and change his poopy diaper, you know, or, oh, mommy, now I'm hungry now. You're hungry now? Why were you hungry before? I didn't eat it. I left it on the counter. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I get it now. And so learning to manage exercise, uh, I've tried so many things, but I think the biggest message for mothers out there is just not to give up because there's times when I'm like, I, I can't exercise. I can't do it this way. Okay, I'll just stop exercising. And that's like the worst thing to say, you know, I, I just can't do it. So it's like learning how to be creative, constantly be creative and saying, okay, what can I do? Okay, I can exercise with my kids. I can go to the park and run around. I can use them as a body weight. You know, I can, you know, I can take the stroller and go up hills with them, you know, if the kid still lets, likes to be in strollers. You know, just modifying it every single time. I remember I, at the beginning of this year, I thought, I'm going to get a gym membership. So I joined the Y, and I thought, okay, they have a free child daycare service. It's really great. They have great people who are watching the children. Okay, I'll do that. And so at first, he was like, oh, this is fun. I'd like to play daycare. And after a couple months, he was like, no daycare. What do you mean no daycare? I don't want to go. And so he would cry. And so, of course, they page me after a few minutes and says, you know, your son's not doing well here. You're going to have to pick him up. And that got frustrating because I'd drive 35 minutes to this gym. And then I was like, oh, are you kidding me? And I had to pick up the kid and then <laughs> drive 30 minutes back home. And I'm like, okay, I just wasted you know, an hour and a half of my day and I didn't get a workout in. you know. And So those sorts of things became frustrating. So I just modified. And so I found that there was a botanic gardens right around the corner from the Y. So on days when he didn't want to be in daycare, I'd pick him up and we'd go walk the trails at the botanic garden. So I was like, okay, this is exercise and I'll just do it this way. And then I would start changing up my exercise program so that I could go to the pool in case he didn't want to go. Uh, so there was there was children's hours, like family hours in the pool. So I, my workout was right around that time. And if he decided he didn't want to be in daycare, I could just quickly jump in my bathing suit and go play with him in the pool and get a workout in the pool. So, you know, just modification of what I would like to do and just being very, very flexible every single day. And so I, I think that's fantastic. And I, I have to ask you, how much crawling have you done in the last couple of years too, right? Crawling, right. Well, <laughs> you know what, you know what though? Um, I do a lot of uh, that I've implemented crawling into my workout program. So I do bear crawling and so I go, come on, let's do it. So I'll do an exercise and then we crawl on the ground and he follows me or sometimes he's that's on my exactly back it. Yeah. and it's so great, you know? So it's like, okay, I can do this. And then I have little bouncy things in my gym so he can bounce around while I'm exercising. I bought him little tiny weights that weigh like a pound so he can mimic me and a little fake kettlebell so he can swing the kettlebell that weighs like a pound and you know so he can exercise with mommy and then we can participate together so I can get a workout in. No, and we've done the exact same thing. I mean, it, it's been incorporating, like you said, sure you have to modify a little bit, but it's it doesn't really affect it that much. I mean, it only affects it if you're that dead set that it, it can't be altered really. So it, the little bit of flexibility days, goes a long ways. In some days I'll try, try, try it. I'm like, Oh, I give up. I can't do it. It's like, I'll get a 15 minute workout and he refuses to be in the gym at our house. So I'm like, okay, let's go do something else. I'll try to get at night. And like last night I got a little morning workout in for about 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, Oh, I'll try to get in the gym and do a little bit more. And we got everything set up and then the phone call rang and I had a business call. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. Got back in the gym and there's like, Mommy, I'm hungry now. Oh, okay. So, you know, and it's like, all right, tomorrow. So this morning I was out doing running sprints. And so I put him in the stroller with the dog because the dog doesn't want to be included. So it's, if it's not my son, it's my dog. And it's like, so here's this girl running up and down these hills with a dog and a baby in a stroller, you know, and <laughs> trying to get a workout in. But it worked. <laughs> hey, and that's just it. It works. You're outside. You're enjoying it. And everybody's having fun. So why not? Right. <laughs> So, okay, you've even talked about just eating a little bit here and, oh, I don't necessarily want to eat that or whatever conflict might come up at times. How are you just implementing and even just showing him all of those eating strategies, things that you'll do uh, to, to help him just explore food? 
You know, I think it's mostly by example. And so, you know, we have nannies that come. I've had a series of nannies because they come and go, they move, you know, and they some of them have children. And they're always amazed at how well Mana eats. They're like, oh, my gosh, how, come, how do you get him to eat that? And I said, the secret is he's never eaten bad food. And they said, what? And I said, oh. I said, if he's never tasted fast food, if he's never tasted junk food, how does he know how to ask for that? He doesn't. So in his mind, it doesn't exist. So therefore, all the food requests that he has are healthy foods. So sometimes he doesn't want to eat the peas and he'll want broccoli. But he's really good about telling me what he wants. Like the other day, he was like, I was going to cook fish. He goes, no, I don't want fish. I said, what do you want? He goes, hmm, I want chicken. I want chicken. Okay. And I go, what do you want with that? He goes, hmm, I want broccoli. You know, and it was like broccoli and chicken. Okay. And so then he was happy because I was cooking exactly what he wanted and he ate it really well. So he's a good eater in that sense that he loves his vegetables. Uh, some days he won't eat certain ones. I just don't make a big deal about it because if you start forcing your kid to eat something or doing something they don't like, then it becomes a struggle. So if he says, oh, I don't want that, okay, let's try this vegetable. Okay, let's try some cut up cucumber. Okay, let's try some tomatoes. Let's try something. And usually something will work. And like I said, there's no bad options in our house, so therefore he's always eating good. So that's what keeps him healthy is just not ever, like we have snack foods, but they're always organic and they're always of healthy quality. So he might say, oh, I want a piece of candy. Well, candy to him is a date. <laughs> so we give him fresh dates. <laughs> so we just candy, we give him a date. And then if we have a, like a bar, like a protein bar, we use those um, really, uh, perfect bars that are like you know refrigerated bars that are high-quality organic bars. I'm going to write that down. I want to check them out. Perfect bars. They're, they're really good. I mean, they're quite addicting. Uh, my favorite is the chocolate peanut butter. It's a chocolate chip peanut butter. Wow. But, you know, it's like, but it has all these organic vegetables in it. So it's a bar, so it's a snack food, so we can take it on the go. Like, we run to Legoland, we run to the park. I fill up my bag, and so he knows I have this magical bag now, and my mom's laughs, so she's like, <laughs> he just pulls at it, like, I want something to eat. But I'd rather him point at my book bag than point at all the crappy food out and about. So I have, like, beef sticks, I carry, like, um, sea, uh, seaweed chips, I'll sometimes do, um, like, little salami bites, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know organic ones. Uh, we'll do like little pre-cut uh, little um, organic cheeses, yeah. you know, then individual packages. Uh, we'll do like um, I make homemade gummy bears, so I'll buy the. Uh, I jack we actually have oranges on our, our property, orange trees. So we actually go out together, pick the oranges, squeeze the oranges, so it's a, something we do together, and then I mix it with gelatin and a little bit of honey. And then I just pour it in these molds. And so we have like little dinosaur molds and truck molds, you know. So he goes, oh, I want a gummy. And so we have this jar of gummy. So I'll take those on the go. So he has this sugary treat, but it's really good food for him. Um, so we do those. You know, I'll buy some of those organic food strips. And I try to find the best ones possible. You know, so we just make it fun to go out without having you know him to look around and say what else is there available <laughs> i think the incorporating there too and or like picking it and do, like eating yourself right there like uh because right now like the garden is coming in full force for us and um yeah i mean every night he, cooper especially is just out there picking stuff off just eating it uh and then we actually have like a younger son now too uh, i don't know if i told you that and then so yeah. like he's watching it all and he's like oh well I want to just eat that like my big brother is doing too. So it works out perfectly that they're just that interaction with the food makes it so much easier too. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, when they can grow food, like at his school, we have a little garden there. And so they see the food, we use that food for the snacks and we make food salads, things like that. And it just makes them appreciate and understand where food comes from. So yeah, and that's what it's even if you don't have much of a yard, just even just uh, something on the windowsill, just that, like you said, the appreciation of that not all food just comes from a grocery store. Right, right, right. So it's a huge deal. So, yeah, we have a little little um, garden beds outside the house so you can see them out the window. And that's great because we can grow things there and he can pick it and, and enjoy that. <laughs> so I'm curious, too, uh, your thoughts even just on, not necessarily for yourself, but like, kids with supplements and or when I say supplement, I guess I mean more of like a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotics, anything like that, uh, especially for like toddlers at this point. Yeah, you know, um, I, if, when I look into the multivitamins right now, I still have not given one to Mana. They say uh, three years and older. That's usually the criteria. And so um, Mana actually still being breastfed. So I figure he doesn't need to take a multivitamin yet. 
I'm in the process of weaning. Of course, Paul wants me to um, nurse him till he's three, but I'm like kind of at my wit's end. I'm at almost two and a half, and I'm like, okay, we're done. We're done. <laughs> so, I'm I did, sure that's a lot. I can't even imagine. Yeah. You know, it's gotten to the point where he knows how to rip my shirt open and grab my boobs out, and it's like, okay, don't do that in public. And Usually he's very good at outside the house, but in the house he'll just rip them open. The other day I had a new blouse on and it was like, rip the top, I want boob. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So this, those are the moments where I'm like, I'm so done with the breastfeeding. But uh, I see the value in it, you know, and you know, if he if he only wanted it during like nap time, I'd probably be okay. But he has, he's got a way of getting what he wants, so I said only at nap time. So now during the day he'll go, mommy, I need a nap. And I'm like, <laughs> he'll go lay down in bed and go, I need a nap. And so he'll want me to, you know, breastfeed him. And then if I do, after he's done nursing, he goes, okay, I'm done napping. <laughs> I'm like, okay, smart. So he's smart. smart. So it's funny because he'll run around the house when we have company over. And he's like, nap, nap. He goes, boy, your kid really likes to have naps. I'm like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I need a nap right now. <laughs> oh, man. It, that's so what amazes me. It's just, like you said, just that. I mean, yes, the intelligence, but just the ingenuity behind it too, okay. like figuring right, so, so the problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that in that case, I haven't given him a multivitamin yet. Um, so, but when he gets turns three, I'm looking into it. I'm going to make sure it's an organic uh, company and you don't want to put synthetic vitamins in yourself. You don't want to definitely put them in your child. And so there's a lot of good companies out there that do provide organic, nice supplements for children. Uh, I do give him a probiotic. I think that's important. I don't always give it to him, but if he feels like it seems like he's catching a cold or around around with sicknesses or traveling, then I definitely incorporate a probiotic. Uh, so I usually buy the liquid tincture. I use one from that I love from Metagenics called Ultra Flora Baby. That's one of my favorites. But there's other companies out there that do a good job on probiotics. Uh, just again, finding a good reputable one. There's genetically modified probiotics. You definitely don't want to add that to your baby's gut. Uh, so if it doesn't say non-GMO, um, be cautious. So. Just be really mindful what you put in a child's tummy. Um, we still incorporate some homeopathics in his protocol. So I, I give him a homeopathics or spray. It's a daily spray I give him to help with, um, it's for against flus and viruses. So just spray it in his mouth every morning. It's super easy to do. That helps keep him healthy. Um, to this day, he hasn't needed to see a doctor. You know, he hasn't been on antibiotics. He hasn't had to have any serious issue or anything, which is awesome. His immune system is really strong. In fact, he actually got bit by a black widow the other day. I know, right? And so uh, that was pretty freak. I didn't know at first. Um, he got bit on, it was actually, um, yeah, 4th of July, actually. And so he got bit that night, and uh, I didn't know anything of it. He just went to sleep, and he was tired, and he didn't wake up for the fireworks. And I thought, oh, we must, we really had a, a fun day, and, you know, playing around that day. And he had a fever that night. I thought, maybe he just caught a little bug. And so in the morning, you know, I, his fever, I watched, monitored it. It never got really high, but it was about, you know, 101, 102, which is borderline. Um, and in the morning, I, I checked him again, and I looked at, when I took his pajamas off, I see this little bite mark on the back of his back, and it's just like a, like, a, like a bump with two little fang marks. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he got bit by a spider. And so I didn't think anything of it. And so he had a little bit of a fever that day, but he was playing. Everything was fine, so I just monitored it. And, but his immune system was so strong, it basically opened up like they normally do if you look on the internet and look at spider bites. It busted open and kind of got a little pussy and like oozy and then it cleared up immediately and it took about 10 days to fully go away, but it was scary. Um, but his immune system was strong enough and I, I did call the doctor just to check and they said, no, you're doing everything right, scrub the wound. There's nothing you can do for spider bites really, you know, so that was fine. But it was kind of scary to think, oh my gosh, he's gotten bit by something, but... That's what makes him strong. And it's going to happen, and it's either going to happen then or it's going to happen in a year or, or something right. like that, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know where he got the spider. He loves to crawl in bushes and, you know, do things. So boys will be boys, and so, you know, he got bit. But, uh, yeah, that was a scary thing. <laughs> well, for us, it was a tick, too. And But, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, we're battling ticks all the time just based on where we live. So, yeah, yeah we just got to keep checking all the time. And same concept, like, wherever you're at – around the globe, I mean, there's always going to be some kind of critter that we have to be watching out for. Right. So, you know, and that's how they build themselves up. So, you know, um, and also just recently he was in a pool and he got a little bit of a bacteria infection on his skin. And another kid that we um, come over, the nanny has a child, so he comes over when he's babys being babysat by him. And he got this bacteria infection too. And so, 
interesting enough that the way two mothers think differently is that her, the nanny quickly took her son to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, put him on antibiotics. So he went through this heavy course of antibiotics with a small little skin, like a little thing on his arm. And, it, you know, she, he was quickly put on antibiotics. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And she goes, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'll put a little colloidal silver on the site, and I'll monitor it, and I have some stuff to help with skin lesions. And I took some homeopathics for skin eruptions, and, you know, he cleared up just fine. In fact, faster than the boy who was taking antibiotics. And I thought, gosh, you know, it's so sad when mothers don't know, and they quickly rush their kid off to the doctors and put more antibiotics in their system. And like you said, it was ended up even being faster. But not only faster from that healing standpoint, I mean, now you look at just the, the, the gut, I mean, the breakdown and the healing from having to actually take the antibiotics is even going to take that much longer too. Right. You know, cause people don't realize but antibiotics means against life, anti, which no, and biotics life, no life. It's killing the good and the bad bacteria. So, you know, those are necessary when you're having a problem where the bad is overruling the good. But when you have a small infection like that, that hasn't taken over, let the body do its thing. Don't quickly just jump onto antibiotics. So um, that's important because doctors sometimes scare you, like you have to quickly do this. And it's like, mm, not so much. Andrew, we're talking about all this stuff. I'm curious, like, is there anything that you're just studying right now that like you're geeking out on diving into that you're just finding well, fascinating and really just want to learn more about? Yeah, you know, I, I'm always studying because, you know, I figure, you know, you never can know too much, especially about kids. And just recently, I, I bought this book and I, I picked it up just because it's on vaccinations again, and it's a brand new book. Um, it's called The Parents Concise Guide to Vaccinations by Dr. Lauren Feder, I think it is, F-E-D-E-R. Um, so it's a great one. It's about um, it's childhood. It's a guide to childhood vaccinations. Um, she's produced an, another book on. Um, children and it's all about homeopathics and what homeopathics to use for children when they're in you know from birth to puberty mm -hmm. and so it's fantastic so if you haven't seen her I think she has a website drfeder.com uh, and so you can look her up I think she's based in Los Angeles uh, but I just geeked out on her book because uh, you know when Mana takes a nap sometimes in the afternoon he wants me to cuddle with him and it's my time just to read a book in bed while he's you know nursing or just sleeping and so I My just wife read does the exact same thing that's how she gets all her reading done <laughs> yes yeah, so I'm like I'm reading checking emails and stuff so that book I just read and I, I really loved it because it's the first book that I read that just puts it down to layman's understanding about vaccinations and she goes through every single vaccination the pros the cons extra comments you know what's the, the uh, contraindications of the vaccination I thought, you know, this was the best written book I've seen in a long time on vaccinations. So if you're on the fence of vaccinations, she's really a great doctor. You know, she didn't vaccinate her children, but she also tells you if you're going to, how you should do it. Because some of these vaccinations where you're giving three or four at a time, this is very dangerous for a child. Because in nature, you wouldn't get three at once. You would get one and then later would you get another one. And so that's really hard in a child's developing immune system. So she also talks about the appropriate uh, homeopathics you can take before and after you get vaccinated to support the immune system so that the body has a better chance of not having symptoms associated to vaccinations. So I thought it was the most well-rounded. So it's not a don't do it and it's not a you have to do it, but it's like, let me just give you the education on it. Education <laughs> on it. And in fact, some of the vaccines you go, oh my gosh, this is darn right ridiculous. You're like, why are we still using this vaccination? There's no point. Another one, she go, hey, yeah, this is a valid one, you know, and, and but there's other things you can do. But if you choose to vaccinate, you know, this is how you do it and don't do shots too close together and that, that sort of thing. So I found it phenomenal. It's an easy read. It's like probably can get it through in three or four hours if you read fast. Um, so it's easy, but it's a nice guide. So if someone a asks you a question about a certain vaccination, you can look it up by the vaccination and find out the facts quickly. So I, I love it. And that's, that's really important too. Like you said, the, the timing of them too, and like, cause we are still doing some vaccinations, but it's the same thing. We're following a very limited protocol. Like our doc, she's totally cool. She's like, Oh, I want to talk to you about this. And it's the same thing. Like she's actually then read some of the same books because of that. And it's like, we can go back and forth on it, which we greatly appreciate like that. Um, one of the thing, that's what I wanted to ask you. So with some of the homeopathics, like, yes, she's going to list, like, and this is something I want to look more into, like, around any times that you would do vaccinations, but what are some things that you just keep in the house, basically, as in, in general? Like you said, because you're using, like, something for mana every day now, but maybe even for uh, 
kids, but also for yourself. Like, cause sometimes it's like, crap, I need it now for, for something like, are there no basic ones that yeah. you really like? Highlands, um, homeopathics, they carry a, a, a um, I forgot what they call it, but it's a homeopathic kids kit. And if you look okay. up children's kit, and it has about six or eight homeopathics that are like the ones that you will probably use with children. Sudden fever, sudden headaches, tummy ache, um, teething pills, um, bruising, rashes. And so you have a quick homeopathic to take when immediately when you see something going on in your child. And that's what so we've I, used their stuff for the teething, I know for sure. Yeah. So that's been good. Yeah. So that one's a good one. And then, um, Apex Energetics used to have a great homeopathic line, but they recently changed it. I think that something happened with the government because the government's clamping down on homeopathics and they got scared. <laughs> so they don't have the line that they used to have, but DesBio still does, D-E-S-Bio, DesBio.com. Um, so their full name is Desert Biologics, but they go by DesBio, D-E-S-Bio, DesBio. Uh, and so they still have homeopathics, and there are some companies that are still producing it. I know if you go to drfeder.com, she has her homeopathic line. I think you can purchase it right there online. Um, but they're great little substitutes to help put them in there, like when you know that people are uh, fighting, whooping cough, and you know, like pertussis. Even though if your child's been vaccinated, they can still get it. You know, so you can do a homeopathic spray. So if you hear about an outbreak at school, you can quickly just spray your child's mouth just once or twice with a spray and send them off to school. And that's going to keep them safer. So those are quick, easy ways to uh, to ensure that your child's going to be, you know, less likely to catch an infection. That is that is fantastic. Thank you. Because these these are the things like it's you're always thinking like, okay, well, I need it now. But if you need to order it or if you need to go get it, it's like it it could be a couple of days till it actually gets to you. So that prep ahead of time is huge. Right. So always having on stock. I mean, homeopathics you usually have a long shelf life, so you don't right. have to worry about that. Um, so yes, I always like to buy a few extras and have them around. So I have a little kit. So it's a big giant thing with the kits and everything in there so I can look through it, you know, including like colloidal silver, you know, there's some pain meds in there as well. You know, just some simple things that you need, of course, band-aids and stuff, but How about yeah. just stuff that you use for yourself? Like, or do you have a lot of homeopathics that you like to use then too? Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't use too many homeopathics unless I'm sick. Um, I like to use a lot of essential oils on a daily basis, so those are great. I use uh, those. Um, I put them in the diffuser, so we put them in the rooms. Um, so those are more, I think, regularly used, but homeopathics I kind of tend to use only as needed. So I, uh, unless I'm traveling, those are good to have in spring, you know, if, especially if you know an area that you're going to that might be at risk for something, then a homeopathic daily would be really good to boost the immune system. No, I think that's perfect, and that's the way to do it is – he said it's not maybe for a kid and or like, again, vaccination season, flu season might look a little bit different, especially depending on where you live, but not to be used as just a broad base for absolutely everything. Yeah, you know, and I'd like to give the immune system a rest. If you're always putting stuff to boost the immune system, what are you going to do when it needs an extra boost? It's already been boosted every day. So it's like have a natural immune system and only put something to boost it when you feel like something's coming up, you feel like you got a sore throat or a cough or something, then I'll take like extra vitamin C myself, I'll take vitamin D, also very good for women who are breastfeeding to take vitamin C and D because it's right into the milk. Um, those are simple things I'll do. I take a good multivitamin every day. I take fish oil every day. So those are my basic things. Um, I don't take a probiotic every day, but I do have them on hand. So if I feel like I need a little extra boost, I'll be taking some of that. Yeah, the probiotics, that's one of those I only use in wintertime. I think it's more like the flu, the cold flu season, like like late October, November is like when I start to like using something like that more regularly. But during yeah. the summer, I mean, I'm, you're in the dirt, like picking stuff, eating stuff just out of the garden so much. It's like I feel like it's not as necessary then too, just with yeah. all the other good bugs from there. All the good bacteria you're getting around in your environment for sure, absolutely. And we eat a lot of kimchi and sauerkraut, and that gives us good bugs as well, so – that's my go-to. We eat that almost on a regular basis, like almost every day. And so, and Mana loves it. It's so funny. He'll just sit there and eat it. We get one called Silly Dilly, and it's made with cabbage and pickles, and he just eats it, and he loves it. So it's really good for his stomach as well. So That's yeah. something we haven't made recently is like, we, I, I like making those or like taking stuff out of the garden and again, just cooking, or not cooking up, but smashing it up, chopping it up, everything like that. That might have to be a, a weekend to do coming up here. Right on. Very good. <laughs> Andrew, actually, speaking kind of of immune system, um, I remember uh, it was, I think, about two years ago when I took HLC2 with you. 
you were talking about a cold shower and it was in between one of the class days and talked about like letting it on your throat because after talking all day. Right. I would like actually for you to expand upon that because this was something I was thinking about and I think it's such a profound thought not to just use cold showers. I think there's a lot out there on that, but cold showers and using it specifically at different locations on the body, depending on what you're feeling from that too. Yeah, for sure. You know, so um, hot cold therapies have been a known throughout the world to boost the immune system. They're actually very good for weight loss too. So you know, some people struggling with weight loss, if you start reading these books on cold therapy, um, the colder the water, the better. There's research that shows that it in- increases leptin production, which actually helps burn fat. So just being in a being of ice cold water can actually stimulate your body to take care of those trouble spots that you might be having on your body. So completely drug free, you know, just a little bit uncomfortable, chilly. But I find that when you're sitting in a like a, if you took a bath of water, at first it's cold, but as long as you're just sitting still, you kind of tend to warm up. But that natural way of heating up your body to protect you from the cold is what's burning calories and helping your body be more efficient at fat um, burning. But I use uh, the hot cold therapy a lot. I like to do cold shower, especially in the you know summer when it's really hot anyway. But when I'm teaching, I, I do use uh, the cold showers. When I wake up in the morning, it's better than a cup of coffee. You wake up, take some. Uh, ice cold shower you feel like you need to sing which is great you sing in the shower any song that comes to mind you're like whoa cold water (laughs) you know and so you take it it wakes your spinal cord up it just stimulates your brain you feel really clear in the head um it's fantastic i took one today you know i just after my run it was like okay i'm super hot and sweaty go take a nice cold cold shower cool the body down and it just you can just feel that cardiovascular tree working so basically there's this thing called the hunter reflex and so if you fell, it's called based on hunters who used to be like hunting in the snow, and if they fell through the ice and got in the water, this, they discovered that the um, nervous system would open up, you know, and so uh, the cardiovascular tree would open up, and so you would it all send the blood out to the your, your extremities, your hands and your legs, and then it realized, okay, we're still under cold um, conditions, and so the tree collapses and it keeps the organs warm, so you can feel this reflex happening in the body, so. When you're taking a cold shower, you'll feel that. And so um, if you're, what you want to feel for, it, it kind of opens and closes. And when you feel it open or close three times, you've had enough. Like you'll feel it pumping and you'll literally feel it going up your spine. You'll feel it into your head and you go, whoa, one. And you'll feel it, whoosh, two. And after three, you're like, okay, that's enough. You don't need to do it longer than that. But what it's doing is it's strengthening your body. So people who are in these climate control rooms where there's always air conditioned or in their climate control car, their cardiovascular tree gets very, very weak because they're and these are people who are like, oh my gosh, it's too hot, I can't handle it. Oh, it's too cold, I needed five sweaters. And so they're actually getting weaker. So if you get them to start doing hot and cold showers, it actually strengthens the tree and they can actually handle temperature changes more readily. Uh, so again, when you are using a certain area of your body, you produce a lot of heat. Like when I talk for eight hours a day or 10 hours when I'm teaching a course, I'm outputting it through my throat and so to the point where my throat gets very hot. And so I take a cold shower and put that shower right on the back of my neck and it literally feels like a hot shower. Like it hits my neck first and then after a while I have to touch it with my hand going, is that cold? Because it's coming down my body warm because it's heating, it's, it's taking all the heat out, dissipating from my neck. And it's just warming the water very rapidly. And so I'll just chill it, chill it, chill it. And it's like I can just literally feel my voice coming back. All the inflammation from talking, talking, talking is gone. And so the next day I can talk again. So it works really good. So I, I never lose my voice. I'll do sometimes 10 hours for six days, uh, the HLC3 courses in a six-day course. And I'm talking the whole time. And I can save my voice by taking cold showers. But anytime you have any kind of back pain or anything, just put the put it right on your spine and until you feel like it's too cold and then take it off, you'll, you'll notice that it's decreasing the inflammation. You'll probably heal faster. And that's how I, I've almost come to use it through uh, just like whatever exercises, like what my workout kind of looks like. So if I'm doing much more in, in the way of deadlifting, okay, focus maybe more on my back. If I'm doing more lunging or something, maybe more on the legs, the knees, that type of thing, uh, more pressing, okay, up into the shoulders, the neck, and kind of using it is it almost as a rotational uh depending where my body needs it then too right so there's so many good things about it and in fact paul check my husband talks about it says 
if you take a cold shower for a man right before sexual intimacy, it actually will help boost your testosterone levels and you'll actually be a better lover. So, you know, he's, he swears by it and I, I, I guess I can attest to it. Too. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. Now, in all seriousness, like even talking about that, so you use that not necessarily, like, sure, you could use it for uh, before you'd have sex. But I mean, looking at it just from a recovery standpoint, I mean, if we're talking working out, you can use it from something like that. I mean, talking about weight loss, like uh, th- there really are so many benefits. It's not just single down to just, oh, yeah, I'm taking a cold shower just to get tough or anything like that. I mean, yeah, that can be part of it too, the the, the mental game of it as well. But there's so many benefits to it. So many benefits. In fact, I just saw recently on Facebook uh, the, all these students, like college students that were trying to in the cold shower ch- challenge every day. And after a week, they're reporting huge changes in their lifestyle, like their skin improved, their mental clarity improved, their concentration, their, they started using less stimulants, less caffeine. Um, just, it's a myriad of things. So it's not just one thing. That's what's beautiful about a cold shower. And you know, I tell people if they can't handle a cold shower, then just do a certain body part. Like just put your hands in cold water, put your feet in cold water, take it in and out, or do hot, cold, hot, cold with the shower nozzle and just do that because that well, alone will stimulate your body. So do whatever you can handle. You don't have to do a full-blown ice-cold bath, you know. You can just do a little bit of something on one part of your body. Now, do you do much sauna work then too? Or just I being 100 degrees out there, you might not have to all right. the time. I feel like I'm sauna already all the time. So no, I haven't. I don't do as much, but Paul does. Every day he saunas, and he that's part of his uh, resting protocol. When he gets home from work, he takes a sauna 20, 30 minutes every day. I don't do it as much. I don't find the time for it, but you know, you know, Paul does it because he likes to smoke, and so he says, "Okay, it's a way to clean out my pipes." You know, so he, he's doing that for preventive care. And so, um, being that I'm extremely healthy right now, and I'm not putting anything bad into my body, I don't have as need as much to sauna. Um, it's a very good tool, and you know, we have it here. If I felt like I was catching a cold, I'd definitely be, be in the sauna. Um, but no, I don't sauna as Keep much. Keep talking as- about that, please, if you wouldn't mind. Like, if you were catching a cold, you'd hop in the sauna. I would because anytime you raise your temperature, um, even two degrees above your normal temperature, like 98 to so 100 degrees, it starts killing off bugs. Um, the only time you wouldn't want to take a sauna if you're like um, really well, if there's sometimes if you're already like with a fever and hot, you wouldn't want to make it worse. So definitely no. So mostly when you have chills or something, that's a good time to be in the sauna. Um, again, fever and stuff, I would cool my body off. My body's already trying to fight something off, and I'm just probably. Um, monitor that you know people think fevers are bad too and they're always quickly to reduce the fever reduce the fever but that's your natural immune system that's how you're killing the bugs so um, like with mono when he had the fever with the bug bite even though I didn't know what it was coming from I didn't lower his fever because I'm like he's fighting something off you only want to lower it when it gets like 103 or higher where something where it can be damaging to the body so if you have a fever just let it run its course it's your body's way of saying I'm killing things off I'm being a natural sauna so, you know, you don't need to be in a sauna, you just are the sauna, and you just monitor that. Um, but yeah, so if I was a fe- uh, like fever chills, yes, for sure, jump in the sauna, it usually will shorten the duration of any cold. Now, even speaking of kids having it too, like, we have to keep in mind, like, kids, 100, 101, really is barely even, if not even, actually, I'm trying to remember the cutoff, I don't even know that 100 is considered a fever in a kid, like, it's, because naturally, like, they're running a little bit hotter and everything too, so... You have to keep that in mind, especially when, if you're talking adult versus kid. I mean, all all that comes into play then too. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, key is just being observant and paying attention to the signs and symptoms of your child's lethargic, I'm not drinking water, you know, those sorts of things. Those are cause for concern. But if your child says, you know, I'm just not feeling good and it's just dealing with a cold or bug, then that's a natural course. So you just let it do its thing. So even just talking more recovery, how have you modified your sleep and or like how are you just working on getting the most out of your sleep uh, just since, I mean, I'm sure it's changed over the last almost two and a half years, but if you wouldn't mind even sharing a little on that, please. Yeah, you know, uh, sleep is a big factor. I know in the first six months, you don't sleep much at all. First three months for sure. You know, the kid's up all night wanting to feed and, you know, crying and you're changing diapers. And then later you realize, you don't need to change his diaper at night. Just let him stay wet. (laughs) You know, it's like you realize that those diapers, you know, can control the moisture. But as a new mom, you're constantly worried. Oh, he's wet. Change him, change him. Get out of bed. Do all these things. And as they get older, you realize it's not as critical to do that. Um, 
but for me, um, I still co-sleep with my son, so it, you know, it's just something we've done, and uh, it, it works out just fine. You know, I just uh, he sleeps with me, so if he needs to nurse, he nurses. Um, but uh, most of the time, he just wants to sleep and cuddle next to me. That helps because I can get a good night rest. Um, sometimes he's fine. We have a bed for him, and he'll want to sleep in his bed. I'm like, oh, good, you're being a big boy, and he'll take his own nap in his bed. Usually, sometime in the middle of the night, he wants to come back into our bed, but. Uh, it's nice to allow him to do that and know that we're not just pushing him away and saying you have to sleep in that bed or, or something. Uh, so sleeping has gotten better since co-sleeping because, you know, he's, he's, he's actually a good sleeper and he'll sleep pretty solid. Uh, but, you know, sometimes he does wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes he does have a cold or something's going on. Again, nothing serious, but enough to – sometimes he uh, is too busy to eat dinner. And I'm trying to get food down his throat. And we are dealing with that right now. That's been a biggie the last few, probably yeah. three months and or so. Of course, then two, three o'clock in the morning, I'm hungry. And you're like, oh. So it's like, no food. So we have to get out of bed and look for like something to scrounge and, you know, make it three o'clock in the morning. But thankfully, it's not all the time, but that does happen. So I'm really a uh, stickler on eating dinner now. I'm like, no, no, you have to have a few more bites. And He's actually really good. Sometimes I'm like, you need three more bites. And he'll be like, okay. So he'll put one and he'll chew. I'm like, okay. And now he has two and he gets it. So it's like, as long as he has something in his stomach, he usually can sleep through the night. But if I don't do that, it's like, I'm hungry. But uh, yes, sleeping has gotten better now that he's getting older. I think the first two years are the worst. And now that he's getting out of his twos, I'm feeling like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, again, he takes a nap in the middle of the day. His new routine is to take a nap at 1.30 till you know a couple hours, sometimes three hours in the middle of the day. So if I need a nap, I can take a nap with him. Um, most of the time, I don't need a nap, so I'm just doing all my stuff. Like I said, reading books and, and you know going on the internet, checking emails. Um, so and sleeping isn't the biggest issue anymore. But that first couple of years, I was a walking zombie, and that was hard. So getting naps in with a child is critical. If you can do that, because I know some moms work full time and it's really difficult. It's you know it's really hard. And when sleep goes downhill, it's like you become short tempered, you become quick, you know, and that's when the the spousal fights start happening. You know, it's like everybody's tired and exhausted, and it's like oh man. So uh, sleep is one thing that if you're having that issue, it needs to be addressed right away. Because I've had um, mothers tell me that their spouse sleeps on another room sometimes, just so at least one gets a night good night's sleep. And then sometimes they'll trade off, and then the the husband will sleep with the baby, and she'll sleep in the other room so she can get a good night's sleep. And so whatever you need to do, do it because sleep is such a critical element, and we kind of overlook it, but it's so important. And I think it comes back to almost like we said with the food before, like prep ahead of time with it a little bit, like but talking about with your your significant other, like okay, who's going to be doing what? And that's exactly like the that was at least for us the easiest way to do it. It's like. Uh, okay, maybe somebody stays up a little bit later, somebody gets up earlier, and then you figure out in the middle of the night like how you want to do it. But it's, it makes it so much easier to have that figured out rather than in the middle of the night hitting at what? each other like, hey, come on, you're doing, you do it, you do it. No, and I think that's where a lot of it's coming down to. It's It's very similar to having kids is planning for your own health. It's like, you, well, you have to prep ahead. You have to do, you have to know what your schedule is looking like. And it, nothing it, it changes as far as maybe what they're eating how they're eating that type of thing but no you still have to be ready for it all right right and sometimes I tell my clients you know you have to actually put on your schedule walk or workout or something because if you think oh I'll do it later well later will never come you need to make time for it so you want to do a meditation you have to put on your schedule because otherwise you just won't find time and when if you find that a certain time doesn't work, then modify and saying, okay, what's a better time? Maybe I need to work out early before the child wakes up, or maybe I need to meditate while he's taking a nap, or whatever it is that you feel is necessary for your health, and figuring out how to do it. Because if you don't plan it, it's like a, you're all of a sudden the next thing you know, you're just like, oh, I'm quickly eating trash food and snacks, and your health goes downhill. Have you noticed like that your clients that you're working with has changed uh, just since becoming a mother? You know, when I first gave birth to Mana, I had a lot of moms, older moms, come to me because I gave birth at 40 years of age. So it attracted a lot of women in that age group who were trying to get pregnant and helping them detox and take care of their bodies and take care of their partners too, because not just the mom. And learning how to, you know, follow what we call the six foundation principles. You know, thinking right, breathing right, eating right, drinking right, moving right, sleeping right, 
and really getting themselves on a, a schedule where their bodies were getting healthier, detoxing, and so that they could get pregnant and then stay pregnant. So I did have a lot of those clients uh, for a while. Um, now, you know, I, I, I kind of get a, a a gamut of different kinds of clients. I'm working from people with severe health challenges that have contacted me because they, they found out through reputation what I do. So people from um, you know, toxicity, parasites, um, bacterial dysbiosis, um, from just mothers who you know want to have a better life and how to maintain their lifestyle. Um, some women who never had children who just uh, are learning how to have a, as they get older, keep connected to their partners and what they can do because after you've been married for so many years, you know, the bickering stuff and then we start having the, um, you know, what do you call it, the hang-ups on your relationship and things, the bitterness and if those aren't resolved, that can cause a divorce and so helping them get clear on those issues, uh, that's what I've been doing a lot lately with the clients is dealing with, you know, women 50 and older that are, you know, now dealing with those issues. Did that also change... Even I'm curious, maybe like your teaching style too, like both one-on-one, -on -one, but also like for like any of the group classes, like when you're teaching HLC two, three, anything like that. So um, being a mother or just the, this client? Yes, yes. No, no, specifically well, yeah. like the mother. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, like my mom says, she goes, Angie, you're so much more calmer now, more patient. And I always was a calm, patient person, but I get it. I'm actually a lot more calmer, a lot more patient because you have more empathy as you learn to take care of a child. You can see where their hiccups are in learning and so you kind of you stop and reflect more about how can you teach them something and that carries through as a mom into being a mom to the students and saying okay what are their hiccups now why are they not understanding this let's go a little slower you know a little bit more nurturing so they can understand key concepts so absolutely I am being a mom has definitely helped me be a better coach be a better teacher for sure because like I said it's all about patience and you know I think before that, I didn't, you know, I just thought, well, just do this, you know, what, what's the, what seems to be the problem? You know, I didn't have much tolerance for people who couldn't do things. And now I'm a, a more of a mothering, nurturing, you know, gentle hand going, let's do this slower. Let's take our time. Where's the struggle? Okay, let's try to do it this way. How about that way? And so, yeah, for sure, it's helped me be a better person all the way around. <laughs> One of the things that you touched on just a minute ago, and I forgot to ask, so, okay, the six foundation principles, I mean, I couldn't be in more agreement to, to get on board with that. Are there any modifications that you would be making uh, for people that are still trying to get pregnant, stay pregnant as well? Like any other uh, big tweaks that you would always have to uh, see coming up maybe? No, you know, it's, it comes down to the basics. And so we, that's why they're called foundation principles. It's like your foundation, you can't build a house on a bad foundation, it's gonna fall over. So drinking more water is like the main one. You know, it's like I tell people the solution to pollution is dilution. You know, I didn't create that. I forgot. I think Dr. Mark Hyman might have done that. But anyway, um, I use that because it's a nice quote about how to take care of yourself and, and you know, drinking water. It, it, because it's free, it comes out of your tap, people don't value it. So, of course, I tell them what the difference of tap water versus a good spring water and making sure you hydrate properly because most people start drinking water because they know it's good for them but maybe they're not drinking a good source of water so uh, like a reverse osmosis water can be very damaging you know the body the, it's not a natural occurring way to filter water so it takes out everything out of the water the good and the bad and so when you get it into your system it's very acidic so if you actually were to test your reverse osmosis water with like pool drops like you'd use in a swimming pool you'll find that it's very acidic water. So your body has to leach minerals from your bones to neutralize it and to make it more basic so your body can absorb it. And so consequently, you can get very brittle bones and osteoporosis from drinking reverse osmosis. And so if your body can't absorb the water, then the body actually gets more dehydrated. So it's not uncommon for a person to say, I'm drinking more water, and if you have a, a scale, like I had a Tanita scale, which is to test body composition and tells hydration, they would drink more water, become more dehydrated. And how is that possible? Well, the water they're drinking isn't actually absorbable, so their body's just peeing it out. So they're drinking, they're peeing, they're drinking, they're peeing, and they're not actually getting healthier. So just educating them on the importance of good quality, natural, artesian, or spring, you know, well water, and drinking that on a regular basis, people start to feel better. And all of a sudden, their backache goes away, their headaches go away, you know, they're not eating as much. All these things that they thought were needed to take a pill for are now just, oh gosh, I was lacking water, I was dehydrated. So that's the biggest one, and then getting them to eat more organic food because our food, as you know, is just so polluted. And so 
uh, start researching our food and what we put on it, you know, fungicides, rodenticides, pesticides, you know, then we put all these artificial chemicals to make it grow faster. Then we spray the fruits and vegetables so that they, you know, go to the market faster and they don't actually get picked early, you know, like tomatoes. They pick them when they're hard so that they don't crush during packaging so they can ship them across the country and then spray some gas on them and make them look red. And then you eat them and they're white inside and they taste awful. So then they go, why am I not healthy? Well, you're eating sick plants. So sick plants equals sick humans. And so educating on the importance of healthy soil, healthy plants, healthy human. And so that's, so it goes back to just, you know, good quality food, good quality water, you know, and eating good quality animals too. So if you're going to eat animals, I know there's a big vegan craze going on right now, but um, it's really important to have good quality amino acids from animals if you're trying to create another human inside you. You know, I've had a client who actually lost a baby because she was so vegan fanatical that she didn't have the resources on board, and so she the baby was terminated. She had a uh, miscarriage because of that. So, you know, there's consequences to our strict ideas. Some people get so stuck in their head about, oh, I have to eat a certain way, and, and what we teach at the Czech Institute is listening to your body. And so if your body says, I'm craving hamburger, well, maybe you should eat some meat, you know, instead of eating a tofurkey or, you know, soy, soy taco. <laughs> that just sounds gross to me, a soy taco. <laughs> right? It's soy riso. And, you know, you hear about these crazy things. But, yeah, so, you know, really getting clear about what you're believing in and are you being dogmatic to the point where your body is actually getting sicker. And so, you know, you can, there's many people who can be a vegan and are very healthy, but there's a many that can't. And so they're following along with these, like, you know, their friends, it's almost like a tribal ritual now. It's like, we're all in this tribe together and I can't jump tribe, so I'm going to be vegan to the expense of their own health. And they're, you can see they start having hormone problems, they're, they're breaking down, their body isn't healing, they've got injuries that aren't recovering. All of those are signs that their body needs more animal protein. Yeah, food has gone uh, kind of the way of religion and politics, right? Where it's, you can't change, you can't be, you have to be absolute dog, dogmatic about it, but why not? Like if somebody else has a good idea, go for it. If some, if you need to eat another way, go for it. Right. Right. And so, you know, just honoring the body. And there was a time when I was a vegetarian and that was in high school. And at first it was a cool thing to do, right? You know, everybody was being vegetarian. <laughs> so I came home one day and told my mom, I'm not eating meat. I'm a vegetarian. And so my mom being proactive, just started really making food combining and making the right. So I ate a lot of vegetables and she bought me the best quality shake to help with the additional protein. And so Consequently, I actually felt a lot better because I went from a fast food diet, eating burgers and fries and crappy food from the cafeteria, to eating just plants and you know really good quality vegetables. My skin cleared up. I started losing weight. I thought, oh, this is the way to live. And so, mind you, I was a very sick child when I was born. I had croup, and so I was always being injected with drugs in my arms. And it used to shoot my arm and my butt to open up my airway, and it gave me medications all the time. So I had a lot of toxins in my system. So when I ate, started eating more vegetables, I started detoxing and feeling so much better. And so for five years, I'm like, this is the way to go. And then after five years, my body started sending signals and signs that it was ready for meat. And all of a sudden, it was like I was craving it. So I started introducing it again. So for me, there was a time where that was a period of my life where I really felt that was a really good call. You know, I did it for the wrong reasons. I was doing it to be cool. But I noticed a bunch of benefits, and after so many years, and my body started saying, "No, now it's time to eat meat again," and so I honored that. I want to ask you about the the water again, actually. So, okay. with the reverse osmosis, my understanding was n not only does it take everything out, but doesn't it waste quite a bit of water too? In you the know, process? I'm not sure about the process, but I think it does. Um, all I just know, it's not a natural occurring. Nowhere on the planet will you see reverse osmosis occurring naturally. So it's a very man-made process. And because it's like distilling your water to the, you know, such a particle, there's not enough minerals in it for the body to absorb it. So just like food, we need vitamins and minerals to help break it down. We, we need nutrients in our water to help us absorb it. And if the nutrients aren't available, like I said, it becomes acid water and it actually can just put fire in the system. Now, going off of that, filters that you like, if, if somebody says, you know what, spring water is going to be more expensive, I can't do that right now what at least types of filters or what are going to be some of the better options to at least basically not make it naked water anymore and just leave void of everything? Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell you what filters right unless I know what's in your water that needs to be filtered. Um, I know just recently, like JCPenney, which is a kind of a, a department store, you know, that's around here, 
Um, they had free water testing kits in their store. You just walk into their store and you could grab a kit and you could go home and fill your tap water in it and send it in and they'd tell you what's in your water. And then they offer to come out and tell you about what's your water and they want to, of course, sell you a filter. Sure. Um, but that would be the better way because at least you're uh, being educated on what is in the water so you know what you need to filter out. So is there a lot of fluoride? Is there a lot of chloride? Is there a lot of jet fuels? Is there a lot of uh, pharmaceutical drugs? What is it that actually needs to be taken out? Um, without knowing, you can get a general filter like a Pure filter or a Brita filter. Again, those can filter pretty well too. In fact, if you test your water after filtering with them, they can actually be acidic water as well because it can take out some of the heavy minerals as well because calcium is a very big molecule and it gets stuck in the filter. So if you're just using one of those filters as just a preventive care, I'd recommend getting some either using Celtic salt or Himalayan salt and sprinkling in your water to add minerals back into your water. Again, not so the water is um, tasting salty, but has like a nice film to it. So when you taste it, it tastes like a film is in your mouth. That's adding more minerals. Or another trick I use is a product called Alkalife. Alkalife, um, again, I buy things on Amazon. So Amazon.com, you can buy Alkalife drops, and they're mineral drops. And so they're already stable mineral drops. And all you do is put about you know seven drops in your water. And if you were to test it, you'd see that the water becomes very alkaline. And so that's an easy way to help ensure that you're getting minerals in your water. So if you're just buying an average filter, um, making sure you add the minerals back in. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way to do it is ultimately you're going to have to test if you want to find out what's absolutely best for you. But a generic filter is still probably if you if the only, if your best if your option is tap water, a simple generic filter is still going to give you a lot better. The, yes, exactly. Don't just drink it out of the tap and think it's okay. You know, there's a, I hear there's certain places in the world you can do that, but not very many. So, again, we have to look at lead pipes, you know, copper pipes, all these things that are, been, you know, old plumbing, all those things can affect your water supply. So, to make sure to test it, and if not, just buy some kind of filter to ensure that you're not drinking whatever else is in it that you don't want. Because that will still be better than going and buying your water by the case in plastic bottles, too. <laughs> right, right. You know, in plastic bottles, always be cautious if people don't know. Um, most of them are, you have the BPA in them. And so when you're putting water in that bottle and you put it in heat, like leave it in your car, it's absorbing the plastic right into the bottle. So if that, your water tastes like plastic, throw it away. You do not want to drink plasticized water because that means you're getting this chemical into your body. Um, very toxic. Um, I had a nine-year-old client one time where she, her parents brought her to me because she was um, started her menstrual cycle at nine years of age. Doctor said, oh, we'll just put her on birth control which was not the good choice, obviously. And so they came to me and said, Angie, what is it? So I started investigating and we discovered that this is, they had three children and this particular child loved water. It was the only one that loved water. So they used to buy cases of water from Costco and then they'd store it in the garage. Well, this is when I lived in Riverside where it got triple digits. And so the cases of water got very, very hot. So when she was drinking this plastic water, she was getting the BPA, which is an estrogen mimicker, which caused her to start her menstrual cycle. So um, educating them not putting buying plastic bottles anymore. They actually got a spring water delivered to the house, and then she took a glass bottle. You know the nice ones they make for kids now. They're glass bottles, but they have the little rubber on the outside. You know so that they can grip it and they don't drop it. It doesn't break. And so she just fill her glass water bottle to take it to school every day, and her body went back to normal. Was able to get her off the birth control and have her stay young for a few more years. <laughs> and don't just think of. And this is just for everybody, I think. Don't just think of, okay, well, I'm not putting it in my garage. I keep it in the basement. Well, okay, it was still in a warehouse that was most likely not air conditioned, and it was shipped across the country or somewhere in and hot trucks too. Yes. Right. And and sometimes they put these waters on sale, and they have sidewalk sales, and they're outside in the sun all day until <laughs> they're sold. And so you can actually see them perspiring in the bottle, and you're like, do not buy that water. So, yeah, Absolutely. So, Angie, we've been talking for almost an hour hour now, and I was wondering, like, is there anything that you have coming down the pipeline, anything that you're working on, uh, either just as, hey, for yourself that you have coming out with, anything through the Czech Institute that you want to share about? Uh, you know, uh, I just recently started teaching HLC3, so that was kind of, I was working on that pretty uh, in-depthly. Um, so, as you know, I worked with Paul on his courses, HLC1, to um, I helped him restructure them so they're a little bit easier and user-friendly especially HLC2, that's was really advanced course. So uh, it's a holistic lifestyle coaching as you've taken it in level two. And so we restructured it so people can understand the key concepts that Paul has um, put through that course. 
and I recently restructured HLC3. So when you're ready to take that one, uh, I, I'm out now teaching it. So we, we co-teach it sometimes. Now I teach it independently myself. Um, but it's basically taking his work and really going by the manual again using the PowerPoint. So I create a full PowerPoint, um, which makes it much easier to, I, I think, as a student to go through a class because um, Paul, with his mastermind, <laughs> that course without the manual. And he teaches you everything in the manual, but you don't know where he's at. So consequently, the students go, he didn't teach us the manual. Well, he did. It just wasn't in the way it was you know, given to you in the manual. So I made sure to restructure it so the manual goes with every single day so you can follow along and take notes and really be present. And for me, that made a big difference when I was when I was learning it myself. So um, that was a big project that we just completed. And, and now I'm working with the Institute to um, re go back and do that to the exercise portions and take an exercise coach, CP1, CP2, and see if those need a little bit of um, retunement too. I think my brain works really good about structuring and organizing. It's not so good as creating new ideas and concepts, but it's really good about putting puzzles together and making them easier to understand. And so uh, we're using my brain to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's where I took uh, HLC2 with Paul, and then I've taken it with you too as well. So like having that appreciation for those differences, and then I've already taken HLC3, so now if you're oh, teaching right. it, like I would want to take it again, I think, to see those differences because – I'm pretty sure when I took HSC two and three the first time, I don't think we even like we had the manuals, but I think it just stayed in my backpack the whole time because there was no real right. reason besides just having a notebook out the whole time. Right. Absolutely. So that's like, you know, and now so we teach the classes together and a lot of people love that because they get strictly the manual from me, but then they get the flair from Paul. So you get a little bit of both worlds. So um, we've been doing that a lot and that's a lot of fun. Well, let everybody so, know where they can just go to check all that out. And I'll still make sure to put everything in the show notes then too. Yeah, so uh, checkinstitute.com. Check is spelled C-H-E-K, uh, not with the extra C in there. Some people think like checkbook, but no, it's C-H-E-K, institute.com. And you can look about all the programs we offer there, uh, the classes I'm teaching. Um, Paul and I have been having fun doing some shamanic programs lately. So we've been doing some workshops on that. So. Uh, we're thinking about maybe doing a, a, a full drum workshop, so just drumming, learning how to make a drum as well as using it, and then maybe a rattle workshop and learn how to make a rattle as well as using the rattle. Uh, so those are upcoming ideas that we're kind of playing around with. Uh, we just did a Nature Spirits uh, Power Animal Retrieval course. That was fun. And so we're always kind of experimenting with these sorts of things uh, just kind of seeing what the public wants to hear about, but super important to start using you know shamanic tools in your practice and learning how to connect to nature for ideas and answers and so that's what I'm really trying to push with my clients as well as the students and to understand that concept of being connected to nature I th I mean I'm right next to my drum right here like thinking about that I because I've taken a bunch through uh the North American Michael Harner's um, uh, classes, but I would if you guys came to up with some stuff, and I, if you could make it more than a day long so that it, people could fly there, <laughs> that would be right, the easy. Right. No, because that's where it's, sometimes it's tough, like to get out to California for like a day long class. But yeah, to make something and like the the or to do like building of drums, building rattles, like that sounds really cool too. Right on, yeah. So like the last workshop we did, um, we did a two day course. Paul taught the first day, and I taught the second day. And that seemed to work really good. So it was a Saturday-Sunday right. course. Uh, eventually, we might be put together like a five-day course, which make it a little bit more incentive for people to come out and visit and just spend five days wrapped around these ideas. This sounds great. I'm I'm already excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for the future course that's coming here. This is going to be great. <laughs> right on. Yeah, and Paul's always creating new courses while he's doing this. So um, he's actually working with the tarot too, as well, which is uh, you know tarot cards, and people think of it as oh you know, mystical science and telling your future, but he's actually studying the science behind the tarot card and what the numbers mean and how they were first created, and he's actually researching it, and so he's taken it to a whole different level, so that's on the works of a class because he's really spent the last couple of years really, like Paul doesn't just throw things on the market, he studies it and he's gotten to be mastering it, and so he has a tarot practice that he does every morning right now where he reads cards and figures out what the day's going to be like, but it's all based on science numbers, the suits, what they mean, and it's just a really powerful thing. So that will be an upcoming course, I'm sure, in the future that you can look forward to. Angie, if you have a minute, then I wanted to quick ask. I, I was looking at some of the PPS stuff actually today because I've only taken the first lesson. I oh, I forget which. I think it's lesson seven, but I'm not positive. One of them is specifically like on learning. Uh, 
is that yeah. i mean does that like go into like because paul's method obviously like he can dive in and just learn a whole lot in a very short period of time uh is that right. kind of where it goes into a lot of yeah for sure you know paul has a method of when he reads a book he doesn't just read it and put it down in fact he has an intimate connection with the author whether they're living or dead and he'll actually write notes throughout the book and put questions to the author in the book he'll highlight things when you open up his book on the front cover, he'll write down the page of where he had a conversation with the author and what page and what it was about. And so he actually, when he reads it, it becomes like an index at the beginning of the book about what me, you know, what he had said about the author. If the author's still alive, sometimes he mails the book to them so he can share his thoughts with the author. If they're dead, he just puts it in his library because he's like, well, they'll, they'll understand because they're connecting to me and he'll, they'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's a way to connect. So he doesn't just read it so that's why when you see Paul lecture he'll be like oh such and such book page 256 because he has these intimate connections with the book so much where he remembers the actual page because of the conversations and the highlighting and everything he does so he has a whole system of colors you know he has red highlighter you know, yellow ones green ones pink ones and he'll use them to you know different color coordinating so he has a whole system of how to learn and so teaching people how to learn because it's not really taught in schools of how to actually self-learn. And so and to learn for your style, too. Right. So that the whole PPS lesson is about learning how to learn in a different way than you probably were taught. Very cool. Angie Check, thank you so much for coming back. This has been an absolute blast learning about just, I mean, a lot of on motherhood, but we went into a lot of other fun topics as well. So thank you again. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Great to see you. Great to talk to you.